0: Hey,
1: welcome to the 125th episode of 2 Writers Sing Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, and the author of multiple New York Times bestsellers. The music you're listening to is Croissants from the great MC White Owl, And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from sports writing to screenwriting to political analysis to motor trend essays to whatever genre I'm thinking of. And today's episode is, I don't know, pick your word, gritty, edgy, badass, my guest is Mark Kriegel, my longtime friend, the author of some of the best sports biographies on the planet, a former daily news columnist, and the current ESPN boxing guy. And there's no holds barred today, telling a security guard to get lost so he can smoke a cigarette, taking heat from the asshole Mike Lupica, writing and writing and writing and writing. It was recorded live at Mark's house in Southern California. And it's right now on Two Riders, Singing Yang. So, Mark Riegel, I think mean, you're you're like the uh, you're like the great white whale of this podcast because I've been like, when are you gonna do the podcast? When are you gonna do the podcast? If,
0: if, if I'm if I'm the great white whale of the podcast, yeah, you're fishing in, in very <laughs> high water, oh. shallow water, yeah, <laughs> <shut up>. yeah, <laughs> very in desperate water. times. Wait, yeah. let's let's put this down. Wait, uh, yeah. just uh, for a visual, yeah. You have Jeff Perlman, the most prominent of all sports biographers. Oh, yeah. He's holding the, his, his, his iPhone microphone. Let's at least get like a stand it, for it. I this it would be that. more dignified. All right. I appreciate that. For a man of, uh, an author of your status.
1: Wait, so I want to say something about you. Yes. I've never told you this before that I found really interesting. So you're, you're one of the most intense writers I know, by far. I'm pretty,
0: you're, Can you curse on the podcast? Yeah, I'm sorry i fucked you.
1: up, yeah. Very intense. Yeah. And here's when I first realized it in a major way. I asked you to write, a, you to blurb, you know, the book jacket blurb, my Dallas Cowboy book. I've never seen this before since from anyone. I've certainly never done. You gave me a blurb and then you like called me two weeks later because you didn't like one of the words. I almost pictured you like spending two weeks and every now and then driving and being like, yeah, that just wasn't right. Like, and I can't even imagine it's what's not inaccurate, f- but that's insane. Uh, it,
0: it, it's a form of insanity. It's, it's like something I live with every day. It, it fucks me up, it. it Drives people crazy. I used to look. I remember uh, before the news at the Post. So I started as a as a columnist. That was my first gig in sports, right. entirely by accident. At the Post. Yeah, but I rem- because because the the Daily News was on strike, and where I was, and the Post had bought out all its sports writers. Um, but I remember being in bars. Um, either McGuire's Cafe or Elaine's, mostly. I'm going to put it on a book. Just and little. Uh, we're, we're, we're putting the microphone now on the encycl- I call it a microphone
1: Encyclopedia I of New York City. Yeah, nice. So that, we're sitting in front of a huge bookcase with a million right. books. including
0: uh, None of which I've read. <laughs> except for Perlman. <laughs> and you're... Um, I remember, like, getting quarters to put into pay phones to call the desk to, to rewrite kickers or leads like, two, three, four times a night. And I could just, I knew that the guys were, the guys in the slot, like, one in the morning, hearing noise from the bar, just, like, looking into the phone, like, is this fucking kid crazy? Right. And... The answer is yes? The answer is yes, sort of. Right, how do you explain But that I, did, I did care about the sentences. The, the unit of measure that I cared most about then is now was the sentences.
1: I remember when I was at Sports Illustrated, and, like, uh, I think Gary Smith was, like, every word should have meaning, like every word is there for a purpose, every word has a purpose in a mm-hmm. sense. So, I guess you subscribe to that, to a certain degree. Like, you throw away words? No. Never.
0: I mean, sometimes it looks like I throw away words, sometimes, it, you know, they, they suck, but I, I, I don't throw away words. I, I, I don't throw away columns. Um, I'm under the mistaken notion that every column you write is supposed to be a fucking masterpiece, and obviously they're not, so it drives you crazy. I mean, it's it's why, I I, I think it's why I smoked so much as a columnist. Did you really?
1: Oh, Christ, yeah. How many packs a day were you smoking? I remember, I remember- I'm guessing you're not a smoker anymore.
0: No, pack a day, pack and a quarter a day, depending on what the deadline situation was. Yeah. But I remember NBA Finals, I guess it was 93 in Phoenix. You know, which is by the way, that that sound is is my 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 dog Mickey chewing a a bully stick. Your foot loving. Do you know dog. what a bully stick is? I
1: don't know. Actually, it's police do you know, club, isn't it?
0: No, it's it, it is in fact it's, it's a bull's penis.
1: Is that actually a bull's penis your yeah. dog is eating? Your dog is eating a bull's penis.
0: He's not. He's chewing on. it. I'm sure that there's, there's It'll it'll impart incredibly even more. It'll make him even more virile.
1: So when your dog was licking my feet, he was basically getting. I don't want to deal with this. Right? Yeah, this okay. is
0: this this is more psychosexual shit than I can like, <laughs> deal with right now. Um, yeah. cigarettes, I just, cigarettes. So, but I remember being on deadline. Paxson hits the shot. Jordan kicks the ball. Paxson hits the winning shot, and um a guy comes by says, "Listen, sir." like the, one of those early like civilized press boxes no smoking you're gonna have to put that cigarette out nice guy I said hey listen I don't give a fuck you can take me to jail I don't ge- really I, I, I have 15 minutes this, this column's gotta be in New York I, you take me to jail then I'm running on a tandy yeah. remember like a little yeah. eight line tandy yeah. I'm like go ahead take but not now uh, don't do that don't can touch me and he, he's just like this guy's crazy. I'm right. um, But the the guy who was the the two most hospitable fellow smokers, the guys who would protect me in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, one was Steve Howe. I never I never met a guy like that. You could feel the heat coming off him. You could feel his addiction. Former drug addict. Him.
1: Yeah. The late.
0: It wasn't for me. It was a recurring. He struggled yeah. with it terribly. But you could feel like his desire, his pain. It just it was palpable.
1: Yeah.
0: It, but he, he sat there smoking. I, I, I've i never seen this. Salem's. <laughs> like that. Yeah, right. Salem's, man. Right. Like i never seen anyone smoke Salem's. Right. Like maybe like some old lady in a laundromat yeah.
1: somewhere. The I, long I, and thin, right?
0: Salem? The long and thin, menthol. And I would smoke Carlton's. Which was like was not not smoking, or I tried to like quit, but I could I could do the whole cigarette in like two inhales, like two drags. Was it hard to
1: learn to write without smoking?
0: It was. you yeah, will get to that. Uh, yes, it's a, good, it's a good question. It was it was impossible for me. That was like my 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 worst of all triggers, and the other guy was David Yeah. Oh. who. Um, we did not get along because there was like some like rape case with the Mets mm-hmm. in ninety two i believe yeah and D- Cohen wrote a, like some message to the media i think it was i 'm not flattering myself here meaning me i wasn 't welcome and but he i really i i don 't see him anymore but I, I i really really liked that guy yeah. he was um he was an interesting guy i, I uh but he, he was cool with the smoking, too. And I remember when he played for Toronto, we would go out outside the locker room and, and uh, smoke together. But I really came to like
1: him very much. So how did you learn and how hard is it to stop smoking in relation to writing? I had to stop writing to stop smoking. And I'm not, not bullshitting. So
0: I, I finally quit smoking when I started on Namath. Your book? A full-scale... You know, biography and the way I was able to do it. I used to get, actually I quit, I quit for, I quit in 97 for close to a year, but I, I went, I was doing a city side column and I went back to smoking. It somehow it got to me, but the, the, the time that it, it could stick, I spent a year, I know this is profligate to you, but I spent a full year during the researching and reporting of Namath, I wasn't on deadline. I didn't have a fucking early column to write or a late column, or nice. <laughs> so I wasn't writing for publication. And that got like the drug out of my system enough that um, I could quit smoking. And I didn't know. I was scared when I sat down to write the book if I was going to collapse, like for my, yeah. I was going to like break down. And somehow I got through the writing of Namath. And, I, and the, the manuscript must have been about 200 and, like, somewhere between 225 and 240,000 words. Right. I got through that whole damn thing without smoking. And that, that's when I had some inkling I actually might be cured. And it's, it's the most
1: insidious addiction. Were you actually worried that your writing wouldn't be as good without a cigarette Absolutely. Like I said? Yeah, it's weird. Absolute. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because when, when we moved from New York to California, I actually had this worry in my head where I'd be as good a writer in, like, different coffee shops, at a different table, a different spot. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. But it, I had these concerns, you know? Like, a, is it going to be... We're all like, we're all like a, a neurotic mess. It's weird, right? You know? Yeah. It's a little disconcerting.
0: Um, at a Starbucks in Orange County you would suck. It's very Starbucks. different. Very different. Starbucks, you know?
1: yeah. Maybe I need the cold weather to uh, <laughs> inspire my mediocre prose. you know, like...
0: I, I tell you what, though. Yeah. Sometimes I worry, like, too much sunlight, man. It's too, like, it's too, this is too happy a day. Do you uh, feel that way? Do you feel like
1: you write better if you're in a bad place? I,
0: um, Not necessarily a bad place, but, like, it, it's beautiful sunshine out right now. This is not the time I would want to be writing at all. I, I, and I, I find that I, I tire more easily at night which is usually a good solitude time, but the time I'm best, and I usually find myself writing these essays for television now, the time I write best is like, five, I get up at five in the morning, and, and that dog you hear over there, you know, he's still, he's still sleeping. Do you a pig penis? Yes, like, but I, don't, I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't presume, you know, all right. See, since I've been in television I, I, I've learned not to ask leading questions yeah. except really masterfully disguised really sneaky leading questions yeah. and I wouldn't presume to to tell you what the hell he dreams of right. although my I think it's just chicken <laughs>
1: like the answer to anything is chicken chicken yeah for yeah. him um, where were we when do you like to write five in the morning yeah. is that true you get up at five and write
0: my, my brain is, is less cluttered
1: yeah.
0: less shit caffeine works better and especially if I know if I have an idea of the sentences I want to put out right. and these essays are are, are are tight like I mean I have it down to you know I can get away with like a, like a minute and a half for a boxing broadcast like if there's a piece on I can get it down to somewhere between 80 and 100 words which going back to your, your Gary Smith theories and nothing's wasted and I learned to like cut, cut even stuff you didn't think you could cut you can cut uh, yeah. and you're not you're not really writing prose anymore these essays for, for TV in, in terms of the form it's almost like advertising because they're not syntactically they're not full sentences and you can do a whole you can write a page with a single word
1: if you have the right image like you find yourself going through and just cutting out all the adjectives do you even use adjectives anymore? You know what I mean? Like, is it... It's not just the adjectives. It's like the, uh...
0: You're, you're choosing between thoughts. And you go, which is the best, most dramatic, most poignant thought?
1: Is it easier than writing a... Covering a fight and writing a thousand-word article about the fight? I, oh Christ.
0: If it, if it was easier, more people would be able to do it well. Yeah. So, it's not it's not easy to do well, but neither is writing... like now there's a deadline piece right um, for some reason i think that the deadline piece is is if not dead then dying um, because you can see it on you can see it on on video you can see the knockout you can see the game winning sequence in any sport almost as soon as it happens on on some dot com right so the, the game story is kind of lost and the really good game stories were always, always started with your early, like what happened in the locker room before and, right. and, and where you are after. It was the most, it was the most oppressive thing about being a columnist. I remember like me and Wally Matthew saying, or Wally saying, turned to me and said, shit, I'm I'm, I'm I'm, moving to LA, I'm moving to the West Coast just so I don't have to do a fucking early. <laughs> just so I don't have to do an early. Yeah. And, I, and it's like, yeah, it's, with all oh, those guys have a me There's like, yeah. no earlies and now of course you have to like tweet and Instagram and yeah whatever else you gotta do
1: I feel like in a lot of ways I don't know how you feel about this like I view you cause I started reading you when I was at Sports Illustrated and I was in New York and you were writing for the Daily News right. and I always viewed you as kind of just this like this is a compliment, like like a badass motherfucker, like a New York guy who didn't take any shit, or hardcore newspaper, and like you wrote for a tabloid, and it was this fucking badass, and like we're going to kick the ass of the Post, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And fuck Newsday and the New York Times and them snobs and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you were such a interesting fit for 2019 because there's none of that. That does not, it barely exists anymore. You know, like Bob Clappish and Wally Matthews are writing for the New York Times. You know, there are no like newspaper columnist yeah, but but
0: you know i thank you for what you thought because you believed in like the artifice of me
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: I, I wasn't that tough and i wasn't that cool
1: yeah
0: um and i was a lot more thoughtful
1: yeah
0: um and a, and a better writer than any like persona would oh i thought you, you were know, a great writer no no but what i'm saying is that if you if one of the things that one of the things that, that traps you as a columnist. Is all the bullshit ego and persona you think is cool when you're like, you know, when you get a column at the age of 23 or 24 or whatever it was, 25. Yeah. And you really don't know who who the hell you are. But Did you
1: have that when you got a column at first? Did you think you were like more important than you
0: were? Of course. I was an asshole.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't, I didn't mean to be an asshole. I, there was a lot of good stuff about me. I always had a good ethical sense, I think, and a good, I, I think I had a big heart, but I was also like loud and, you know, I, 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 I you know you, you understand sometimes you understand the persona and the ego of the job before you understand the, the job itself right and you're
1: writing a lot of shit for show right you feel like you did that looking back of course like what would be an example of something you wrote where you look back and you're like well that was just me being blowhardy.
0: every early every story I didn't have anything to write yeah um I, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you what greatest fear or one of my greatest fear what if you go to the ballpark and you, and you remember like this is so this is the 90s baseball it was I guess it was always like baseball was always a contact newspaper sport mm-hmm. in New York and you know you'd have two open pages three open, three pages you know for a, a Mets game a Yankees game in June and um so I remember thinking like what if you go there and nothing happens and really what you're saying is what if I go there and I'm not good enough I'm not a good enough reporter that I don't see anything or you know that I can cobble into an early column and for people who are listening have no idea what an early column is it's like do it 7 o'clock to hold the space for the the running column which you're going to
1: get in while the game ends and then the the this is before web. web. We're talking pre yes. the early publication yes. of the newspaper. Then later on, they published a the second yes, edition. Yes, this
0: is before right. like before Moses came down. Right, and, right. No, after Moses came down with the tablets, and, right. but before the internet. Yes. So one day, like to me, nothing happened, and Billy Crystal was there.
1: Was that a Yankee game? It
0: was a Yankee game. Right. He was doing some. It was doing some. Some one of the unending. Uh. I thought at the time phony Mickey Mantle tribute yeah I was just enough right. like I was sick of Spike with the Knicks and, and I'm a nostalgist and, and, and Mickey Mantle you know Billy oh, Chris I, sort of a Mickey Mantle I agree with you actually um, Billy Criss yeah, but I was like come on stop this shit it's not even about like the real guy it's about your stick it's about a, it's about a shtick mm-hmm. and, and nothing against like Spike even because when he started it was original that was his thing right. okay but I was, for some reason, so I worked myself into a fucking froth oh. about Billy Crystal and Mickey Mantle and, like, the, the false nostalgia of this. And, you know, the the, way that, the only way a column can be good is if you work yourself into, like, absolute outrage and believing it. So you have to convince yourself that you're I mad. convinced myself that, like, Billy Crystal's endless fucking memorials to Mickey Mantle was somehow an offense... To all of us. Right. I remember later on, he gave me a dirty look, and I'm like, well, are you going to give me a dirty look, Billy Crystal? Great. Okay, I don't care. But I was, I was being ungenerous and a blowhard, and the reality was, I hadn't reported anything well enough to get a decent fucking column and I was on me and I and I and I instead I wrote something This is what people always complain about with the media when I didn't have the goods I came out with something that was mean-spirited and uh, I didn't think of it as mean-spirited I'm sure at the desk they were happy because they got to chuckle because all right here's Kriegel making fun of Billy Crystal right. Billy Crystal is a big movie star Kriegel's gonna puncture it and it was just it was it was mean-spirited and I I, I uh, I still think there's something like excessive about the about crystals sure. Mickey Mantle stick, but I, I I would have liked to apologize to him later. Oh,
1: interesting. Except when he gave me the dirty look, now I was pissed off. Like, but if you saw him now walking down the street, would you say, Senator?
0: Yeah, probably. He yeah. probably would. Be- you like I like do me to go fuck myself? Yeah. I know. I, I, I bet he remembers. Yeah. So there was a page in the News and Post. It was, you know, and it, it was. It was meant. If it was something. That, if it was something that was precious to him, it hurt him. And I, and, and it was cheap of me. It really was. I feel like a shame. I, I, I've done that many times. It was columns I'm really proud of. Right.
1: Before we continue with two writers slinging yang, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman, and I'm here with my nephew Isaiah. And he sucks at basketball I don't suck at basketball No seriously, you suck at basketball We just played and I beat you 76-23 And that was NBA 2K19 I'm talking about street ball Where the asphalt waits to carve up your knees And a rusty rim laughs at your bricks Why are you talking about this? This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports Kings of the throwback sports merchandise Go to 503-sports.com to check out all their hats, jerseys, t-shirts, and hoodies um, are you getting senile? What were you talking about again? Wait, I have a question I've never asked you, and you might be like, "Oh, I don't want to answer this question." I'm going to ask it, all right? So I'm friendly with Lisa Olson, former colleague. Mm-hmm. You. And I've always been. There's one guy in the media who I just don't like. You can you ask me about Lupica? I am going to ask you about Lupica. You don't like him? I can't stand him, mm-hmm. but I don't know him well. But I've seen him many times, mm-hmm. and I've always been under the impression. Maybe you're about to tell me everything I think is wrong. Okay that he sort of railroaded you guys and that he he viewed you as infringing on his turf a little bit and he he had that insecurity, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? Is that just something I've had? No, you're not wrong.
0: He was, no, you're not wrong. You know, I I think he, you know, yeah, you're you're not wrong. And uh, I don't think I would have ever left the Daily News or been fired from the Daily News if it hadn't been for Mike Lupica, that's my feeling. He was, Exceedingly generous To me When I started doing a column Because he was friends with Hamill and, 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 and he had been friends with Mike McAulary Both of whom I, I, was, I, I was close to um, And When I started doing a column uh, Him and Dave Anderson Were the Not just the first two guys to come over and shake my hand But maybe the only two I'm Like hey how you doing Mark What year is this?
1: ish Uh, 91 and you were writing how many days a week the column I don't know whenever okay
0: and then when I started and and we were still very uh, we were still close or or friendly and and he 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 had a couple of I have to say this he had a couple of bits of advice that were priceless right on like one day I came back uh, talk about being a cheap adolescent um Imitator of a columnist Yeah So like I start off And I write an open letter To Dave Checkets Like on behalf of all outraged Nick fans like me And I grew up on 8th Avenue Like
1: not far from the guard It's always bad When you hear open letter I feel like open letters So
0: he says Never Ever Ever Write an open letter He was right Yeah he had A couple couple things like that He told me um, That stick out early on But I, You know I, I do think that And I see this with, with TV now being on TV does inflate your ego and your insecurity, whatever. I'm not saying that his insecurity was inflated. I think his ego was. But, yeah. uh, and then I had other friends of mine who, who did not like him at all. Yeah. Who I, I am not authorized to speak
1: yeah. <laughs> for. Right. But, uh, you know... I, um, but do you think he ran you out-ish or felt threatened by you? I think, I, I, I think he felt threatened, yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Which is so weird. I mean, look, I, I, I was i I may have been wrong headed and all sorts of stuff um but i was I was a good writer. I didn't do what he did. I think that he didn't like that I did a notes column, yeah as he did and they, and they I know that he was pissed off when they kept the notes column, which had its own audience um do you think he was like he needs to go? He talked to. Talk to people who were there. I remember, I remember when I was, I, I was, um, I remember when I was fired. Some of the stuff that got back to me was stuff that um, I'd heard, you know, that I was attributed to him. But look, it, it, it was a good thing for me to leave. He had been very generous to me. Um, when he left, I started. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I wouldn't have been able to go to the news if it hadn't been for him. But you did have power there, and that was, I was at the Post doing a column. We went on strike against what proved to be Murdoch. What year was this? 93. Okay. So, I come back, and I get a, I I write a column for, I signed to write a column for the news starting January 1, 94, and I was, that couldn't, I I couldn't have gone to the news if it, if I hadn't been friendly to him, uh, friendly with him. And then he went to Newsday. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, he went to Newsday. He went to Newsday. You were promoting so, I, so I became like the number one, and that's that's really where it started. So he went to Newsday. You become
1: the number one. And right, then and he I'm leaves start, Newsday. I start like
0: I start getting like you know little barbs in his Sunday column. And now I'm, I'm a complete hothead.
1: And I respond. so he's taking shots at you.
0: Yeah, he starts taking shots at me. And it's that, so insecure though. And that, that, and, but yeah, but so was I. So I yeah. start responding like, you know, and I was... Did they
1: like it, like the paper? Or are they like, yeah, like this is great. Well, they
0: liked it, but everyone like, you know, to, to, to my face is like, yeah, you're kicking his ass. And right. I had a good year in 94. Right. Um, I had a really good year then, I remember that. I was still doing stuff I, did, I didn't know better not to do. Well, so what, what do you mean? I, I'll give you, there was a, um, there was a guy, I... I I uh, played against in high school.
1: Basketball? Yeah.
0: Oh. Billy Riser, uh, Stuyvesant High School played Franklin. Okay. And Franklin was like the finishing school for UNLV and Stuyvesant High School was you had to pass a test to get in. Okay. Um, and so with this white guy in, in a school in Harlem and his nickname was White Jesus. So I hunted down White Jesus who like disappeared. But I didn't know, you know, why would you do a story on... on that guy would turn out to be a good idea.
1: There was a nominee for a Pulitzer, or was it not? No, that, oh, was, not? that was
0: before that. Oh, okay. That was—that's um... That's how I got into sports. Okay. Again, I didn't know. Like the, the Daily News had a three-on-three tournament. I was covering cops. I was covering like crack dealers and mafia trials. Right. That was basically what my job was, right. and it was—it was great. I loved it. Um, the city was falling apart, but it was like I was having a great time, and. um the Daily News had this this three on three tournament, and um, so the editor Jim Wilson, a wonderful guy, called me in. can you write something about like basketball? because every time like the crack dealers and the basketball, the world's collided, I wound up writing the sport. So the people's court. I, I, I actually took this I actually took this job so seriously. oh my God, I'm gonna write the great piece. I, I, I know, you know i I, I, I I guess in a certain way I had an inflated sense of myself you know yeah. um, so I, I, I did, without knowing what I was doing I, I don't think I, I'd never written a magazine length story before but I wound up like sort of doing a reported essay on basketball in New York and that was the uh, Pulitzer it was a, was it, a pul- it was a fucking week year for Pulitzer then, but it, it was
1: um, nominated right it was a yeah, it was a finalist yeah or whatever that's amazing that's what happened yeah Wait. So, but I, w- I want to understand. something. Like, he went to Tuesday, You stayed at the Daily News. Then he came back to Newsday. Right. Yeah, so and then I get, I get,
0: I get like, I,
1: like. So I'm I'm doing a notes column and
0: I'm I'm getting stuff <laughs> in the in uh, there's like notes. I remember like I, I I I wonder if this is what like Frank Sinatra felt like when Buddy Greco tried to imitate him. I'm like, hey, fuck you, man. Right. Fuck you, motherfucker. It's that's bullshit. How, that's though. how I felt like. But you yeah. were right. I mean. I get it, you read a big Ego too, but, but that's kind of bullshit though. Well, yeah, but then this came, you know, and then and people would like egg me on, like, right. you see what he's, you know, and I, I was a real hothead.
1: Were you ever insulted? Well, What I mean is like, were you ever like, wait, I thought we were okay, why are you doing this to me? Or no? Was that not how you think?
0: Yeah, I'm sure, it's, I, 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 I was, I was uh-huh. but then it became competitive, right. and I remember like having a good year that year, because I was doing columns that were fresh, because it was still new to me.
1: Um, so isn't it weird when he comes back to the Daily News? Is that like the weird? I've never talked to you about this in my life. Like, is that weird?
0: I remember like certain guys didn't come up to him. Or like, it was a weird thing, but like I felt like yeah, everyone's behind me. Right. I'm like yeah, everyone's behind you for about ten minutes. Right. Right. Um, and you got, did, but but I think it was it was Kevin
1: Whitmer. Oh, I know Kevin. Yeah, it was, one, it was a wonderful editor. I interviewed for a job with him at the Star did you, Ledger. Did you get it? Yeah, but I, did. I turned it down.
0: Kevin Whitmer Whitmer was a a great editor to me and let me like let me make mistakes and let me be excessive Um, and and part of this thing is like you you know if you're a columnist odds are you're probably naturally insecure and the more bravado you would have with the job the more insecure you are and I remember like I remember being an asshole to Ian O'Connor and we laugh about it today. Yeah. Great guy. And I, and I, I apologize. Hard working as shit. Right? Yeah. And a really talented writer. When you don't have, but here's the thing with Ian though. Yeah. When you don't have the goods, Ian will have it. He'll have like reported something earlier in the day, but by the time he comes to the ballpark, I mean, it's really well thought out. So why were you an asshole to him? because I, I was insecure but like I can admit it yeah. I never heard the other guy admit anything yeah. and and we were both new to this job he was like the number two guy and I was the number one I was so insecure being the number one guy at the Daily News you know and we'd be like trying to figure out we were at the, a Knicks playoff game and I get pissy with him like I don't know my angle yet man I don't you know there's always like this what are you going to do what's your angle going to be yeah. and that became that did become particularly a particularly acute problem you can ask Lisa yeah Oh. When Mike came back It's yeah. like You know How many angles are there On a playoff game You got like four columnists there it, 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 You know you need, you need a traffic cop Just for the egos Of the columnists
1: I, I did not get it The thing is It's funny about him From afar Like he was talented He was a good rider. He owned the You know He had, he had his, his run Do you think so? but, uh, I don't think he was not I don't think he was without talent
0: No but I think that There was an abundance of talent But I, I, I
1: He was lazy you know,
0: though Well uh, Look you, you can't. I don't. I don't think you can write well if you're writing that often. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. Long, I never. Agree. You know. No one's ever accused me of being prolific. And, and as we have, as and I'm serious. It takes me longer to to worry about what my next book is, and it takes you to write one.
1: Maybe you're more of a worrier than I am.
0: Maybe or maybe yeah. you just get to business, and I'm bullshit. But. Um, That being said, when you, you know, there are certain tricks that you learn as a columnist, you have your own, what becomes your style, but your style can easily become a parody of yourself. So when you get into these, when the notes become too familiar, when you're writing all the time and you go, this baseball town, this baseball noise and all you know, like the first time you wrote it, was good. And like every other cliche, the second and third time becomes emptier and emptier and emptier right. until I, I, I had a friend of mine would compare it to like meringue. It's so fucking thin. It's like a wafer. There's, there's nothing in there. Yeah. It's light. Yeah. It's, it's lighter than air.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, and the words become empty because you're just repeating stuff you've
1: already said. Um, that's my... I'll tell you something interesting that I really do believe. Mm-hmm. When I wrote my first book... Mitch's album was represented by my agent. Okay, mm-hmm. Now, for all I know, Mitch's album is the greatest guy ever. I have no right. idea. Uh, I asked my agent if he could get blurb my book, if he would consider blurbing my book. No, Mitch doesn't do blurbs, right? Mm-hmm. I've always remembered that. Like, I've always remembered that. Right. Everything I've heard about Lupka, the way I saw him visually treat other people in a press box. Right. Like, I've always remembered that. Right. When I asked you for a blurb, it was, eight seconds I didn't even know you that well at the time like of course sure you know whatever like but then I like worry about and drive you crazy sure no, but, that's it. Yeah, but I just mean like I think ultimately like a guy like Lubica, he had a great run as a columnist there's no doubt about it mm-hmm. but the first thing I think of when I think of him is douchebag and like I don't want my legacy to be a fucking douchebag. People are like, oh, he was a really good writer, but he was kind of an asshole. I'd rather be less of a writer and actually be nice to people.
0: I I just want people to say I was a good writer. The second thing, I hope it wasn't a douchebag. (laughs) He
1: he learned that he was a douchebag, and he's he's a douchebag in recovery. Um, Well, we're all douchebags when we are younger. Most of us. I think if you have any kind of writing success early on, it gets your head at a young age, and you're a douchebag. Well,
0: okay, so I I, I, I don't want to make my podcast about my mother Luke, yeah okay but he had enormous success young and is like ask ask whoa well don't ask I did not like this guy yeah okay and I did not like his style as a writer yeah uh, uh, didn't like a lot of things I thought it was I thought it got it got to this point where it was all artifice okay however um, this guy went up against Dick Young, yeah, and survived and prospered.
1: And Dick Young was
0: and Dick Young no was whatever an eight hundred pound gorilla, yeah. And you know, especially from the the Namath biography, huh. there, there was a there's a temptation, and it may be justif- or It may be justified. Among people are basically our age, to belittle Dick Young as some sort of, you know right-wing, racist, mean-spirited. mean-spirited. Yeah. hey, let me tell you something. You go through Dick Young's columns day in day out, how well-informed he was, how on point he was, yeah. how well-written they were. Right. The idea that he was some kind of hack is so counterfeit, it's so offensive. I didn't know, because did you know him? No. He was right. Came right before my time. Yeah. McAulary said great things about him. Yeah. He was always for like the writer in the press box. Right. Um, and his stuff was clean. But if I think about you want to, if if you want to judge what Lupica's accomplishments were, and I don't mean to just belittle them mm-hmm. without putting it in some context. For this guy to. Duel with Dick Young and come out the way he did, and and blow up as he did. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, that that's that that's something that's that's not you know you can't just dismiss. But you know, one thing I've learned in my well, career, in yeah, the
1: town and the baseball noise and all that other shit. But I just feel like I've learned throughout my a career. substantial accomplishment. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But don't I, I just think like someone else's success does not take away from your own and like when people don't learn that lesson I get it at first you're young right Mm -hmm. you get very territorial about your stuff I was that way at SI you know like this is my shit and blah 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 but like then as you get older I just think you realize someone else's if you write a book if we are on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time or you bum me off or whatever you know that has nothing to do with me like that is not you you're not doing yeah, anything. you can understand
0: that cognitively but emotionally it's a difficult I've got thing to I've understand. made peace within a good way uh, though. you know are you not there I, I, I'd like to say I'm not <laughs> I don't know I haven't I haven't, I haven't been on the, the Times bestseller list in many years You'd so there. I don't know yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. wait let me ask you about uh, so your book so you're gonna be like eh, blah 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 so don't do it your books are better than mine your books are better research than mine they're fucking they're crisp and they're just like so good, and, and your Namath book—I mean, I, I, all three of your books—I've read. They're great. The Namath book really like hit me in a hard way, like where I was just like, "This Which is the most flawed of the biography Do you feel that way? Yeah. Yes, because I was learning
0: what to do. It's not—it's not as tight. I hadn't learned how to write yet.
1: It's so funny you know what's funny about it's, that it's it's fatter wait I just no, want to say it's a fatter
0: subject it's, it's a it's a more discursive subject it goes in different places you know it's about advertising it's about sex yeah um it's about a lot of stuff it's about it's about television um but I hadn't quite learned how to do it yet and pistol is a much tighter subject matter but I learned how to write better and Mancini I learned how to write even better and they're both tighter. And the, the, the subjects are not as expansive, but yeah. the execution was better. No one read Mancini of The Good
1: Son because it's about a goddamn fighter, but that's the best book. Number one, I read it. It's great. Thank you. Number two, it's funny because you do what I do. Like, I'll have people, my, the book of mine that sold the most is The Bad Guys One. It's the first book I wrote. And people will be like, you know, you got this, right? I, oh, I love that book, that book, blah, blah. And my instinct is always to do what you just did. Well, I didn't really know how to write a book at that point. There's so many holes in that book, and blah blah blah. Yeah, but it's complete but but there's something, and else. it's sincere,
0: completely from your. But but you went at that subject completely from your heart.
1: But so did you, with Namath. Absolutely, right, a- absolutely. But do you, I feel like people don't want to hear me or you or any author say like like shit on their love of a book. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not shitting on it. I think I, I, I think it's I think it's a really good book. I'm but It's just, not I'm, your right. I understand, but. Um, you did not get Namath to talk, right? No. I don't care. Did you care when you were working on it? Like, was it... It was your first book. Were you ever under the impression, I need Namath to talk for this to be a book? Nope. How come? Um,
0: this is... Um, this is the book I, I used as a, as a model. Dino by, by Nick Tosh. You ever read Nick Tosh's.
1: No. You I mean, no of Nick them. Tosh? Never. A, you know, you this read is a Dean Martin book. biography? Yeah. What made you even read a Dean Martin biography? Um...
0: Nick Toshis and I have the the, the same editor.
1: Okay.
0: He's like a legendary... was a legendary music guy. The most... How can I... Like... Incredibly... Fluent... Showy... um, Dexterity with language. This guy is fucking great. And he's great writing highbrow stuff about low life okay he's extraordinary so I should read Dino oh you should read everything by him
1: okay
0: um even when he's out of his mind nuts he's great so um I had an editor on Bless Me Father um and and he was editing Tasha's did a novel called "Trinities," and I loved the novel um there were no good guys in it but it has this incredible exuberant verbal sense. And then I read Dino, and after I had been fired by the Daily News without warning, like, you were—they like, didn't give you a reason. I, I, no, they just said you're fired. No, they came in one day. They said you're fired. They didn't say got, like you're laid I got, off. No, no, it wasn't laid off. No, I got whacked.
1: And they never give you a reason. No, nope. that's insane. Stuff came
0: out after after the thing, you know, unnamed sources. That I, I, you know right. I heard the same thing from Ed Kozner who was dear friends with Lubica right. like all of a sudden like really I blew Deadline huh I don't remember that right. but, it, like, but I know where that myth was perpetuated right um, so it was right before 9-11 and um, everything sort of dries up and somehow I get this idea oh I was talking to Sal Marciano no. Yeah. I was
1: talking to Sal Marciano. Legendary New York broadcaster.
0: And Sal Marciano, he had been helping me, he had been giving me marriage advice.
1: Oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it didn't work.
0: <laughs> for me or for him. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was one of the most generous and beautiful conversations I've ever had.
1: Yeah.
0: And this is a couple years before. He told me, he's like, Yeah, Mark, you know, it was like I was telling Joe. And he's remembering, he's telling me about this guy, him and Joe, and they were young and walking down the street, smoking a joint. And then he goes to visit this guy, Joe, in Florida. And Joe reaches for a bottle of vodka. And, and, and uh, he tells him, hey, one day you'll be talking about this with your kids in Paris. Don't worry. Don't, you know. I'm like, Sal, who, who are you talking about? Joe who? Who the hell? Fucking Joe who? He goes, name it. I go, Really? Yeah, Namath turned to me and said, "You know, we're so lucky to be alive." And I go, "You were walking down the street smoking a joint with Joe Namath?" He goes, "Yeah." I go, "Holy shit!" And I and I have ah, this "I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Is this like a play? Is huh. it, what what is this?" Because it really was about the baby boom, and I understood that even then. Like these two guys never thought they'd be older, and here they are, like in Florida. Right. And Namath is reaching for a bottle of vodka, and he's telling me this to. He's, he's telling me this, um, he wants to use it in my, he wants me to help me in my, you know, I'm trying to navigate yeah. through a marriage and raising a daughter. But all I can think about is, holy shit, he's talking about Joe Namath. So after I get fired, after 9-11, I'm thinking to myself, what, what the fuck, what am I going to do? Right. And I looked at this it, this is this Dino book is living high in the dirty business of of dreams okay by tasha's and i said you know i could I could do Nameth like tashas did Dino did Demar that was my thought um and that that was, that was the that was the thought in my head but i but for each of the books that that worked um I had a very specific image in mind, and, and that was, and I, I, I thought about Namath being, you know, almost 60, reaching, or whatever he was, reaching for the bottle of vodka. And, like, the, the guy who was the sort of, you know, big swing dick in American culture, if you were a guy, yeah. um, had been beaten down. By this divorce Which is Which was You know If you're a baby boomer Or even close to a baby boomer Um Is, is a destination You never could have envisioned Right For Joe Namath I mean, You know the, the guy Who every guy Wanted to be Um So I I, I said I could I could do that
1: Is there something Do you find it like Uh Are you inspired by the sadness Of a, of an athlete aging Is that sort of the Am I insp- <laughs> yeah, you sort of inspired You know, inspired to write I, I don't mean I, that I guess I am Yeah Um
0: in, in part, um, but I had, you know, I had very specific notions for each biography, for the for the prologue before before I wrote them.
1: Yeah.
0: Would name if it was that that sequence with Sal. Um, for Marovich, I had this idea. Uh, this like, you know, he's he's entering middle age, and and he's playing a pickup game. He has a heart attack or yeah. heart failure on a basketball court in Pasadena, in like a church. Yeah, crazy. And I'm wondering, like, what does the world look like to Maravich at the moment of his death? Is it, you know, is he talking to God? Is he ascending to heaven? What What is he thinking? Is he, is he I don't know why I thought that, but that's what I thought. And for Mancini, it had to do with had to do with this Italian
1: restaurant where we would all meet and talk. Because you went into that book, you were already friends with Vancey. Yes. Yeah. Is it weird to write about someone you're friends with? Yes. Was it complicated?
0: Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, look, but it's, it's not like, you know, there's always this... Because you didn't write it with
1: him, it was about him.
0: Correct. And right. And I told him, I said, I said, Ray, I go, this is going to suck. Everything bad that you don't want to get... do. Ray. raised alone, Or phone here's this um everything you don't want to get into that's painful That sucks i'm going to go into and you're not going to get any money because i don't believe i don't believe yeah. in that i, 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 Did he I want me? to keep no he didn't huh? i said here's that we we met um it'll forno this restaurant that we all go to yeah i said so basically it's it's gonna hurt everything you don't want spoken about i'm gonna get into and you're not gonna get paid. And he goes, great, so what? what, why am I doing this? And I said, but, if you want something that lasts about you and your father and your kids, about fathers and sons in particular, I'm I'm the guy. And no one can do this better than I can.
1: Um, Do you feel that way because of who you are as a writer or because of your relationship with him? Oh, I am as a writer. Yeah. So what makes you, I'm actually being serious. What makes you, just as an example, better than me or Gary Smith or whoever at doing that book? You know what I mean? Why would you say you are the guy to write that? I'm not comparing myself to Gary Smith, to be clear. I'm just saying like.
0: No, I'm I. I'm highly empathetic, but, but more to the point, um, my, my father's a cripple and a writer. Okay.
1: So that's impacted you a shitload, obviously. I mean, your dad.
0: My father. My father. My, fa- my father. You know, lost the use of his legs in 1944, for polio. Okay. Uh, and he writes about like, uh, you know, masculinity. What, what I essentially write about is is fame and masculinity. That's um, that's basically what I write about. Right. When, you know, you can parse it all different ways, and for some reason or for a couple of reasons the boxing boxing
1: works well for me right it's so interesting so i didn't know that much about your dad to be honest yeah. and then when i was reading about you today you know i've known you for a long time leonard Kriegel wrote a bunch of books had polio mm-hmm. you were raised by two parents yes and so your dad's a freaking i mean great writer um no you disagree no i don't yeah um what impacted his? Uh, it's such a cliche question, but what impacted him being a writer have on you and your writing?
0: I I, uh, I never I, I consciously went about not being a writer. I thought I'd go to law school um, because you know my my dad like couldn't rub two nickels together with what he made from writing. Right. My dad my dad was an academic and he wanted to you know, he he grew up in this. A very New York post war Jewish scene where he wanted to write for partisan review. I, I couldn't give a fuck about that.
1: Right.
0: Um I shouldn't say that, but I you know, my my dad is my my dad's a scholar. Um he's the sensibilities of a novelist, but he's a scholar. Um So, I, I, you know, I, I always thought I would not be a, 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 I, I, I knew I was wired like a writer, but I, I thought I'd go to law school. I had some not formed idea that I, you know, and I walked out of the LSAT. Really? Yep. Walked well, right. I was like, this, that, no. Nah, you
1: don't want to do this?
0: No. Um, and I went to Columbia the next year, the J school.
1: Right.
0: Um, which, you obviously, don't know you need to go to graduate school. That's what I heard. To be a reporter. Right. But for me, it was good because I had consciously resisted it. i have never done like a school paper or anything like that. I didn't know what a lead was. I didn't know what a nut graph was. I didn't know what a kicker was.
1: How'd your dad feel about you going into writing?
0: Um, I think he was happy about
1: it. Yeah.
0: You know, I had some, I had some job after um, I graduated from college and, uh, and I came home like three weeks later and said, oh, I'm gonna write my novel. Uh, I, I was a schmuck I, I,
1: you Yeah know, A complete schmuck That's very funny
0: Um He was like, why? Right. Like, so Basically I spent the year like bartending
1: How do you feel when people are like Like I'm sure you get a lot of like Or you hear a lot of people like Some 23 year old would be like Yeah, I think I want to write a book Right? Mm-hmm. I want to write a book Or some dentist is like Yeah, I really want to Oh, you write books? I really want to write a book Yeah, everyone Yeah Everyone writes a book Well they do have a book in them Sure But You gotta pay the fucking price pal That's a thing <laughs> Like sure you
0: Everyone has a book
1: Right In him or her But they don't know Freaking I always I don't get offended by it But I feel like There's a real misunderstanding How much you bleed From these things Like it Yeah And a lot of people don't But I think a lot of people half ass them If you wanna write Read Snooky's autobiography But I feel like I feel like I lose Three years off my life Every time I write a book Just in like Pain and suffering You know Yes Did the Mancini book So you said The Mancini book Of your three books Sold the least Correct Yes Did you think It would sell really well Did you care I mean obviously oh, you care, yeah, care But like Did it hurt Does it hurt you When a book doesn't sell As well as you I want I thought
0: it would get on Like the extended list And it, yeah. and it didn't It broke my heart a little bit It with did Because I think I think it has merit And I really I put I put everything I had into it I put everything I had into
1: it So what does that mean Like when you say You put everything you have Into a book What does that mean I didn't care how much my life sucked, <laughs> as long as it was good. All right. Let me ask you a final thing. Yeah. Uh, I tweeted this out today. I hate to say that. You wrote a uh, July 23rd, 2019. Fucking great story. You wrote it for ESPN. I never even heard of this guy, because I don't follow boxing as close as I used to. It's called what? Maxim Dadashev? Maxim Dadashev. Dadashev. Was fighting for And your lead. I just want to read your lead real quick. It was, uh, Max, you're getting hit too much. Dadashev shook his head no. Please, Max, please, said Buddy McGirt, former welterweight champion recently inducted into International Boxing Hall of Fame. Let me do this, okay? The fighter blinked, his chest heaved, but he said nothing. Okay? Look at me, please. Dadashev shook his head, even fainter than the first time. If I don't, the referee's going to do it. You could all but see Dadashev considering his options. Still, Dadashev had nothing for his trainer. It's not that he couldn't hear him, or they didn't understand. This was a willful act, perhaps the most willful of all. Come on, Max, McGirt said, please. Finally, McGirt did with the, uh, what his fighter would not, surrender. That's it, Doc, he told the ringside physician. Then he turned to the ref, Kenny Chevalier. That's it. And the boxer ended up dying. Yep. it's um, a fucking great lead. That's great. Yeah, we were covering the, well, I
0: wrote that right here the morning after I got home. We were covering that fight. I got home. We didn't know, we didn't know what was going on, but we saw him... He got out of the ring finally on his own power, where he was helped out, but he started throwing up. And then they put him in a stretcher, and we um, didn't know. So I flew home the next morning. By the time I got in, I had some messages, and I'm, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was in a medically induced coma, um, and they had operated and we didn't know how to handle it. So, um, yeah, I, 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 was one of the few deadline columns
1: I've done. How'd you get the dial? Like, how'd you know what he was saying? Were you there listening or like? I had the broadcast. Oh, you had it? It was all heard. Got it. I
0: remember, I, look, I, I had been, where the hell, what, I've been, mean, there should be a, I flew home, um, not that night, the morning after, but I was, I was covering the fight. I was there. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we went through. I went through the tape. What I what I had is from fighter meetings, previous fighter meetings. I had a fairly accurate picture of his why he came to America mm. and what he wanted. He wanted to take his kid and his his wife to someplace sunny. He's from Russia. So he wanted to go he had this idea like America I'm going to take my kid to like Miami.
1: Right.
0: And I'm going to lie in the sun. Um, And I did a TV essay for it the next the next day we we
1: passed. Did you have to like to cover boxing as much as you do do you have to make peace with the negatives of boxing?
0: Look I I wrote a, a I wrote a book about a you know yeah um, a guy who's known for a death in the ring. Um, Do I have to make peace with boxing? I, I got I got no problem with boxing. Um, maybe I'll regret that saying that one day. But huh. I, I I knew I. I mean, there's a reason why you know, not just good writers, but great writers keep coming back to it.
1: What is that? Well,
0: I mean, boxing is a... Is a well, all the other sports are metaphors for what boxing actually is, which is war, fighting. All
1: right.
0: Um, and, and the number two, um, they're naked. They're, they're, you know, almost physically naked, but they're emotionally naked. So... You know, if I want to get to LeBron James or someone in the NBA, I got to go to like a hundred dudes. Here I call them up and they tell me what they're thinking or they're not. And their ego is on display and their frailties are on display, even if they don't know it. And the, the third thing, even with, with female fighters in a certain way, it, the whole, it's not about getting beat up. It's about the, the particularly male fear. Of humiliation. So, it's not that what hurts worse than getting your ass kicked is having people see you get your ass kicked. Right. And if you actually think about that, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that that women don't feel that way, but it's it's a it's a fear that's that's particularly associated with masculinity. I got to be tough to the world. I gotta, style, yeah. Right. And that makes for all sorts of dramatic possibilities. Yeah, it's. I it's usually better for the writers, the filmmakers, than it is for the fighters themselves. I think that's, you know, um, I'm I'm lucky to be covering the sport. I, I I really mean that. Right. And it's not, you know, I'm not Mister. Like, I feel I feel lucky today.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Um, well, I appreciate. Uh, I mean, you're one of my favorites of all time. I think you're one of the great writers of freaking, whatever. But uh. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. And the blurb you wrote was just perfect. It was really good. It was high quality. The, the first of The was first was excellent. The second was a drop-off, but we kept it, you know, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. It was uh yeah. Anyway. All right, thanks. I want to thank today's guest, Mark Kriegel, for joining me at Two Writers Sing and Yang. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Kriegel and read his work at ESPN.com. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports kings of the throwback sports merchandise visit the website at 503-sports.com one can listen to Two writers singing yang on apple Podcasts, google play and spotify and reviews are always appreciated music is by the dazzling White Owl. thanks again for joining me and remember keep
0: writing